Good afternoon, everyone. Today is April 19th, 2015. This is Worlds of Books. I'm Mickey Prayan with my co-host, Alan Lemley. And we will be discussing What Do You Care What Anybody Thinks? by um, Richard D. Feynman. Alan, you have some material on him? Yeah, and my apologies to the co-author. There's a co-author, too, and I was going to read some about him, but I didn't. I think, you know, Richard, Richard uh, Feynman's the main guy, and his name is spelled F-E-Y-N-M-A-N. So uh, if, you, if, you're, if you're reading it in text with a, a, a TTS voice and it's pronounced Feynman, that, that's the reason, but uh, his name's pronounced Feynman. Uh, yeah, this guy, uh, the, Richard Feynman, must have been one smart cookie, i got to tell you. Uh, I, I enjoyed this book because he was, he was obviously super smart, but he, but he could talk plainly. And I, I'm always impressed. I think the really smart people are the ones that are able to take a complex subject and express it in a simple fashion. I, bl- I believe he had the gift of that. Uh, and uh, in my mind... People that can do that are, are ones that really understand stuff. That that they understand a, a, a subject so fully that they're able to communicate it to their audience so that they can understand it too. And uh, I, I get the impression he he was one of those guys. He he was born in 1918 in Queens, New York. He lived uh, just under 70 years. I think he was probably 69 when he died. He died in 1988. Uh, he received the Nobel Prize for Physics in 1965 jointly with a couple of other people uh and uh, uh he was uh, he was born jewish but he was an avowed atheist and uh i think he i think i saw something in the the wikipedia article i read where he said that he didn't want to be classified I, I, he wasn't big on 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 labels it doesn't sound like and profile and stuff like that. He, he didn't want to be grouped with any and i, and I may be saying this wrong but I, I i thought i read that he didn't want to be grouped with you know, you know, with a Jewish label or something, and uh, uh, so you know, he he had some some. Uh, uh, I mean, he he was his own guy apparently, and uh, let's see what else did I read about him that I thought was interesting. Oh yeah, he uh, he he applied to to go to Columbia uh, for college, but was rejected because apparently they had already reached their Jewish quota. So. He ended up going to MIT instead, uh, and then he got a, a his graduate degree from uh, uh, maybe a doctorate from Princeton. Is that right? Yeah, Princeton. And he scored, I think it said he scored perfectly on the mathematics and physics portion of the entrance exam to the to the Princeton Graduate School, which was like unheard of. He, he didn't do so well in the history and English portions, and yeah, he was, I think, probably one of the first ones to admit uh, English wasn't his, uh, and writing, I don't think, were at the top of his, his skill set. But uh, uh, when it came to math, apparently the, the guy was brilliant. Uh, anyway, he wrote, uh, I know he wrote this book that we read, and I'll let Mickey tell you what that other one is he wrote. I can't remember what the name of it is. But uh, uh, anyway, a very interesting character, and uh that, that that's basically the high points of what I what I gathered from the Wikipedia article. The, the Wikipedia article went on and on and on. I had to stop reading because it just it kept going and, and it got into a lot of uh, scientific stuff that 
that uh that was way over my head so uh i had to punt but uh anyway uh that'll be that well the book that i should have read first and i didn't was um surely you're joking mr Feynman. and i i really like this guy but uh Let's hear what others have to say before I blather on. Uh, this is Michelle. I really enjoyed this memoir. Um, I, I like reading memoirs generally, but sometimes when I read memoirs, I, I find out things about the, the person that I'm, you know, I, I, I like them less. This one, I remember when these books came out, um, and certainly I remember what happened with the, the Space Shuttle Challenger, but I, I actually remember when these books came out in the 1980s, and for whatever reason, I never read them. <laughs> and I read this one, and um, I'm definitely going to read the first one. And I think you described it really well, Alan, that he, you know, he, he understood things so well that he could talk in a, in a way that a person who's not a physicist would understand what he's saying, because... He was saying what theoretical physicists do is they design experiments based on information they receive from engineers and other scientists. And I thought, you're right. That's what a theoretical physicist does. But I never even thought, what you know, what what do they do? Um, I liked the whole book. Um, I liked the beginning part where he was talking about his relationship with his father. I really liked the way that he spoke about his first wife, Arlene. I thought that was really sensitive. And I liked how when she was diagnosed, you know, he didn't just say, I'm not going to be able to spend, you know, our our entire lives together and and walk away from it. He just thought whatever time they had together, it was worthwhile to be together. And I thought that was wonderful. Um, And I'm sure later on we'll we'll talk about the Space Shuttle Challenger. But I thought it was a very, very good memoir. I um, usually don't... uh, Well, I, I read memoirs or biographies of people who fascinate me. And uh, having one of my hobbies being electronics, I have, I have some scientific bent besides earning a living as, as I did as a musician. But uh, I hadn't read uh, anything about Richard Feynman, and I don't know why. But uh, I enjoyed the book. I I liked the uh, first part, as Michelle mentioned about his uh, his father uh, pointing this and that out, and just knowing that he was <laughs> that he was going to be a scientist. And I really enjoyed the chapter uh, about his first wife and. Uh, where where that title must have come from? <laughs> what do you care what other? And um, uh, I I I had trouble with the chapter about uh, with all the letters that he wrote from the different places. Uh, I I was bogged down during during that section, uh, but uh, really enjoyed the commission the stuff about the challenger and uh, everything he had uh, to do with that as well as I, I think probably my favorite part was near the end his keynote address 
to a, a national science convention. Uh, I thought there were a lot of good points in that that I, I really, really enjoyed. And not to mention the appendices at the end. Hello, Jenny. Welcome. Yes. Hi, this is Jenny. I hope my microphone is doing well. I just wanted to, uh, you know, say briefly that I just started the book. I'm only on the second chapter, and um, I especially like, um, you know, how he's encouraging people to not be intimidated by uh, expert opinions, as with his diagnosis of Arlene. And I do have um, an interest in life science. Um, a lot of people in my family are medical professionals. So um, a very interesting book, and um, I'm interested to hear what the rest of you have to say about it since I'm only in Chapter 2. I enjoyed the book, too. <coughs> and the only thing that I was disappointed in, really, was the fact that he never gave us any description of his courtship with Gwyneth. You know, just all of a sudden she was there, and she was really there in connection with the children, and um, I was sorry about that. Yeah, me too, Jill. And when I, when I read the book, I wondered if that was maybe in his first memoir, because he spoke so lovingly of his first wife, and, and he seemed to, the impression I had was he was married to his second wife, for a very long time, so I'm sure that was a you know wonderful story to talk about too. And I, I did really want to know about that. And I wondered, you know, when I was reading this book, I, I thought, you know, he's he's so intelligent, he articulate, he's so articulate, um, he's a little fearless. But the word that came to mind for me was I thought he was like a little eccentric. And I wondered if you all had that impression as well. I think everyone with that kind of brain is eccentric. Um, but uh, he also indicated somewhere at the beginning that he married Arlene, his one and only true love. And that kind of grabbed me. I thought, what are we doing here? Uh, because of knowing that he had another wife. So one does wonder. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll go ahead and jump in. Uh, I I could just about uh, do like I used to, like kids used to do in uh, in elementary school when they didn't have a good answer. They'd say something like, "My answer is the same as Bob's," because I, I feel about the book about, just about like Bob. I mean, I don't have probably his science bent, but uh, uh, I really enjoyed the part about uh, Arlene and. Uh, I just couldn't believe, I had forgotten how bad people used to be and how ignorant and idiotic people used to be when somebody had a bad illness, thinking it was better not to give them the, give them the truth about what, they, what the condition was. I mean, that's just lunacy. I can't imagine how they thought, I mean, ignorance can be bliss about certain things, but when you've got a disease that's killing you, pretending you've got something else is not the way to handle it. And I, I just got, I, got, I had forgotten that, that, that people used to kind of think like that but uh i really enjoyed the way that that uh, as bob mentioned others have mentioned uh, arlene and 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 richard just said well look well we're just gonna grab the bull by the horns find out everything we can about it and just take life what it has to offer us and just enjoy it while we have the time and i thought that was really that was really good and uh I, 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 like Bob, I didn't really care for the section with the letters and stuff. I, that seemed like that was just kind of dumped in the middle and just didn't really fit. I really, I really enjoyed the stuff about the Challenger, though, because I thought, uh, uh, I, you know, a lot of us, you know, lived through that. And then, 
I like I like the way he uh, uh, he described uh, the investigation and uh, a, t a typical government agency appointed to investigate something and he he seemed like he was kind of uh, cutting against the grain trying to actually get to the truth and stuff and then explain it but uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy I thoroughly enjoyed the book it was uh, uh, I'm not, I don't I don't read a lot of nonfiction and stuff but I do I do enjoy a good uh, a good biography or an autobiography when it's somebody I'm interested in and th this guy was very interesting Alan, I wondered in in your research about the the um, the book. Did you was this book published before he died or right before he died? And did he actually write the pieces and somebody else put this book together? Because it's it's kind of interesting for a memoir. It jumps around a lot, and and I wondered if these were like pieces that Richard Feynman wrote and then somebody else put them together. I, I wasn't really sure. Also, we haven't heard from David yet. How'd you like the book, David? It was interesting, and I couldn't help but think of another book that I was reminded of called Tuva or Bust. It's one of his students. They had wanted to go to Tuva. I think it was to hear the amazing throat singers that are famous there that can generate dual tones or something. And I kept thinking of that book because the student later does write that book and does go there to Tanutuva. It's a region near Russia, uh, Mongolia, China. Ch Feynman is the kind of smart that makes me sick. The kind of smart that's so smart uh, he doesn't have to know any English or history. Princeton will have him there anyway. It's because in the highly technical age we live in while it's certainly good to be cultured and to know your humanities, I do, um, it's almost better to be able to do science. I hope it can be balanced. Sometimes I feel like humani humanities always are in the back of the bus that is driven by the sciences, the STEMs, the science, technology, engineering, and math. It's skills I do envy, though. And he's just smart. You can break the rules when you're that kind of smart. Uh, yeah, you can. You're exactly right. And uh, Michelle, I, I apologize. I didn't do enough research. I suspect that that co-author whose name is on the book with him probably is the one that, that did the the compilation and stuff but i'll i'll look into it some more and i'll try to get get an answer to find out when when it because i mean Feynman died in 1988 and i don't know when the book was published i was thinking it was late 80 so uh uh i suspect that that that, that co-author that's on the book probably may have had to uh, may have done the, the the compiling and stuff they said in the prologue or whatever they called it preface beginning a book that he did that he that he interviewed him and they talked a lot and and these were his ideas and some were direct quotes but that he put put things together and I too didn't like didn't understand why we wanted to read these letters it, they didn't make any sense to me the rest of the book I thought was um, a really, really good. I'm, I could even understand, and I have very little science bent, um, enough to get me by, enough to, if I fake it, you know. Um, but I, I thought it was well done. I wonder why I waited so long to read it. Maybe I'm not remembering this right, but wasn't the point of the letters to give us a picture of what he was like that he wouldn't have said for himself and if I'm not mistaken isn't that where we learned about the the party 
where the little boy was so ex upset because Dick wasn't there. He wanted Dick and he wanted Dick. And finally they had to put him to bed and then Dick came in and, and then the letter goes on to say you could hear all the rumpus going on upstairs and the, their play. And I've been giving us an idea of, of how really popular he was with children. Am I missing something here or am I remembering this right? Yeah, I think, uh, I think you are right. I mean, I, I think that was, uh, uh, th there was certainly a letter and that, that section where the little boy was asking for Dick was, uh, uh, was in the letter section and uh, I, I think you're right. Uh, Jill and it, it did do a good. It did, it did help present him in, in that fashion. He seemed like he was popular with, with with kids and stuff, which which doesn't surprise me because, I think his dad probably had a lot to do with how he turned out because his dad was always, uh, always, making him think th through things. He was always challenging him to, to think through things. And I think, Feynman himself was probably the same way with kids. And uh, uh, he, he demonstrated he had a way of, uh, of of communicating in the language of the listener so uh, I'm sure he probably did the same thing with kids. Well when I was reading the book I was I remember the part about the the, the investigator the investigation for the space shuttle uh, Challenger and he describes himself as a, a gumshoe detective which I thought was really interesting and I was sort of thinking that maybe he was more like I don't know what the word is a maverick or something because I had the impression when I was reading that that everybody else wanted to follow a certain order and that they ha they would have a room with, they'd bring in a group of people and then they'd all interview them together and it was sort of like a team effort. But he just wanted to go out and speak to this person and that person to put all the pieces together like a detective would and, and find out what really happened. And it was, it was interesting and I, I guess I, I would have liked to hear a perspective from like an honest perspective I guess from somebody else that was on the commission to see how accurate his own assessment of him of what happened was so I, I really liked it I found it interesting but I wondered if it was the way other people saw him also yeah I don't know I uh, I enjoyed the whole uh, process that uh, he felt the way that the entire group was going about things uh, was a kind of waste of time. He um, uh, they, uh, he wanted to cover things directly, uh, personal interviews with uh, with engineers, with the uh, somebody who was close to closer to the various parts of the device uh, the uh, the uh, manufacturers uh, the engineers the people the people who really put things together and all of these connections I, I thought that he was uh, trying to <laughs> be very uh, was very organized about uh, uh, putting together what what must have gone wrong the various problems it wasn't just wasn't just o-rings it was it was uh, a series of of things one thing leading to another and i i think uh, he was frustrated because uh the way the group was going or was being led to, uh, was going to take a lot longer and would not really come up with of course it did anyway but uh his report, 
I really enjoyed in the in the appendix. Well, he had trouble with getting his report published because it could only be put in the appendix because they didn't want to publish it. They didn't like what he was doing. He was a maverick. He was going to do it by talking to the little guy, by finding out what Joe the engineer, Joe the plumber, um, thinks, you know, to find out uh, what really is going on, not what some executive has in mind. He, he was... Um, he was all for the engineers and the the workmen and and had to find out himself uh, because he felt they were going the wrong way and they didn't like him there one little bit they probably wanted him out in fact they he kind of indicated that he didn't know how long he'd be there because he was being a pain in the butt yeah that, that was the part I really liked about it because uh, yeah he knew you needed to talk to the people that were that were down there with their sleeves rolled up doing the work. You don't ever get any answers from management. Management's always got another agenda. Either they're trying to cover their ass or they're trying to hide something. You're not ever going to get a or either they just don't flat out know the facts. You're not going to get a straight answer from them. So you have to talk to the people that are doing it. And I, I couldn't believe when they were talking about that those guys had proposed. Uh, there was one of those tests they had to do that involved that thing that was that was a circle thing that had all those notches in it and they had to they had to keep a count so that they they made sure everything was lined up right and somebody had suggested they put four marks on the thing to make the process a lot easier and and management told them that it was too expensive to do to to paint four marks on on the on the device i thought yeah that, that's so typical and uh you have somebody that's actually knows what's involved with building something and the and, and the bean counters or or whoever the manager guys are are uh, counting pennies and and not letting you do something because they they don't really have a clue. But uh, was I the only one that thought that uh, the guy leading that commission, that Mr. Rogers, should have been wearing a sweater and singing "It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood"? It seemed he seemed more like Fred Rogers on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood than than somebody that should have been in in charge of a commission investigating a a, a rocket disaster. Yeah, that's a good description of him, actually. Um, I and I, I don't think he went into it. Or maybe I missed it. How he even got invited to be on this presidential commission? Because I would think, with his personality, I don't know that he would be the obvious choice to to uh, to be part of this. And I think he even made a, an allusion to um, you know the Warren Commission report that we all know about it about the, um, the you know JFK's assassination, and he he. You know, he didn't want it to be like that and whatever. And I also mentioned this this book to someone that I know, and she was telling me that there's actually a documentary about this particular... I don't know if it's about both memoirs or just this memoir, so I'm going to have to look and see if I can... I can find it because it'd be interesting if he was in the documentary to hear his his voice and you know to hear him actually speak. And also, I really liked the the reader. I thought the reader did a great job. Um, you know, a lot. I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I'm not that selective about my readers, but this one I thought did a very, very good job. So did I, Michelle, and and I didn't recognize the name. I hope we're going to see hear a lot more of him. I don't even remember who it was, but I did like him. Give me a second, and I'll find the the narrator. And I would say, Ginny, that uh, reading the book would be a good thing. I all of us can make a discussion out of it even if we all liked it 
Yeah, and, and getting back to what David was saying, I, I understand how you feel because every once in a while you meet somebody or you hear about somebody who's like off the chart smart. Um, I used to volunteer um, at a church in my neighborhood. They serve meals and I, I'm not able to do it anymore. But one of the women that I, I volunteered with, her daughter is a doctor. And she was telling me, which I didn't even realize that, that this was possible, that her daughter, the year that she took the SAT, got an 800 on the math and an 800 on the English. So she got a perfect score. And she was the one of six people in the United States that year who got a perfect score. So I had heard about people who got the 800 on the math. I never heard of anybody who got an 800 on the English. So it's, it's you know, I can't even fathom being that smart. And it sounds like Richard Feynman was, was that smart when it came to science and math. So I, I understand what you were saying earlier. I can imagine um, 800 on each one. The colleges must have been begging her. She, all she had to do was pick, and I'm sure she got a free ride on her education. Wow. Do you think, and I'm not trying to say she's not smart, but do you think statistically if enough people take that test, because isn't that multiple choice? I've never taken SAT. We took ACT. Wouldn't somebody have to get all of them right? Or only because they're so smart would they get them right? Or both? Well, it's been a very long time since I took the SAT, but um, the impression I had, and others can tell me what they think, is that the math, you went into the math, you couldn't study for the math. Um, like, you basically, um, you went into the math knowing as much math as, as you knew. And the English, when I took it, it could be different now, was composed of a multiple choice part that was reading comprehension and probably a multiple choice part that was vocabulary. So I always felt that you could study the vocabulary for sure. You could practice your reading comprehension, but your math skills were your math skills. Like I could have studied forever and I never would have gotten an 800 on the math. And I, I think it'd be really hard to, to do this. I, I don't know this woman, but I was like, I couldn't believe anybody could get an 800 on both parts. But anyway, we're going off topic. I just was going to mention that. Well, still staying off topic, didn't I understand that later on the, they even added an essay to the, to the test? Uh, did they take that away, or are they still doing that, or does anyone know? Um, I don't know. I got kicked out of here. I, they, they must not like me for some reason. The powers that be must not want me to speak. Um, I had fr two friends in college who were extremely bright and extremely, three, three, who were extremely bright and extremely strange. And one of them said, when you are really uh, close to genius level, you are there's a thin line between genius and insanity, and I cross the line periodically. That, that actually makes a lot of sense. Not that I'm a genius, but that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Jill, there is, I believe it's still effective, there's, there's a, a written essay part on the SAT. Now, my understanding from my nieces and nephews um, are that the ACT is more popular now than the SAT. Um, years ago, we didn't even have, where I lived, we didn't even have the option. You, you took the SAT or you, you took nothing. But I'm pretty sure that there is a written component, which I think is really good because they should really test and see if somebody can write 
you know, a coherent paragraph. So, but I don't know how they grade that kind of thing. That would be really hard to grade. And uh, the narrator is Bill Wallace, W-A-L-L-A-C-E. I've seen his name before, uh, but I'm not, uh, not, not often. I thought I, maybe I read some commercial audiobooks that he narrated, too. Bill Wallace reads a lot of fiction, nonfiction. He um, reads a lot of self-help stuff, I think. Well, that explains why I don't see his name that often, probably, because uh, I, don't, I don't read as much nonfiction as I should. I am fairly convinced that the person who gains the most from the self-help books is the author. I, I, I generally agree with you, Mickey. I, I will say that I have read one series of self-help books that I read when I was in my 20s, which I was very lucky because somehow they put it on Bookshare because it was only on Audible in a bridge form. And I've been reading these this same group of self-help books um, for 30 years now, and they've really, really helped me. But the self-help books that I, I read were written by an Australian doctor, and um, and she talked just like Richard Feynman talks. She talks in a very simple way, and she breaks down the medical stuff into a very simple you know language that a lay person can understand, and, and it makes sense, and, and it helps. But in general, I, I agree with you. They're they're not, but I think there are there are exceptions. Well, guys, I think we've traveled a long way from the co- the book, which means I think that we probably have. Has anybody got any last minute things to say about the book? Well, just for me, just reading the first two chapters, I think that Richard R- Richard Feynman wants to um, kind of demystify science and help people who may not be as in, at his intellectual level still enjoy the adventure of science. Um, that's what I'm taking away from it so far. Yeah, I, like I said, I've got a, I got a lot of respect for people that can take stuff that this is complex as science and do a good job of explaining it. I think I think that's why you know media characters like like Bill Nye, the science guy, are, are popular because. They've got. They, they've just got a gift. They they can they can express themselves. They can understand the the complexities to begin with. But they they've got the power of communication where they can express it. Where where others uh, not only can understand it, but they want to understand it. And that that's a real gift. Well, then I think what we decided for next month was the hotel at Bitter and Sweet, which the title absolutely turns me off. I I um. I can't believe, you know, this is a book I've been avoiding. Several people have told me to read it, and I suppose if you're going to make me read it, I'll read it. But it's not one that I would ordinarily pick. Um, One I would like to suggest for some time is something called... Whoops, wrong note. Um, Dark Tide... The Great Molasses Flood of 1919 by... Oh, I shouldn't have done this. Podcast download completed. Stop. Do your thing. Stop Podcast it. Podcast download completed. And in four links are tied to the Great Molasses Flood of 1919. 59.335. Nine hours, 59 minutes. U.S. History, Chronicle of the Molasses Tanker that Collapsed, 
sending 25-foot tidal waves killing 21 people in Boston. Um, the, it goes from the 1915 construction to the to the um, into, uh, immigration and the First World War, and it just sounds like one of those books that I personally would like to read. I don't know about anybody else, but I thought I'd throw it out there. That actually sounds like a very good book, Mickey. Um, I I read Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet for uh, my library book group, and I had the same idea as you did. I was like, this title, it's a terrible title, I'm going to hate this book. And I, I didn't love the book like many people do, but it's it's a lot more literary, and um, it's a better, much better story than you would think it would be. So you may you may like it more than you think. That's that's what I'm trying to say. If we get to vote, I also have read on the corner of. So I'm not interested in rereading it. Um, and I like the book. Uh, I'd be very interested in the in the tide the thing in Alaska. And the Dark Tide book is written by Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. Looks like Puleo, P-U-L-E-O. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. But uh, it's narrated by uh, Butch Hoover and it's nine hours, no, it's ten hours, basically nine hours, 59 minutes. And I think it would be a good idea since he died this past week that it would be kind of a tribute. Just now, how weird is that to read a book that he's re- he's read? I was just thinking of that when he said Butch Hoover, that that might be good. He had just died, and that might be good. It sounds like an interesting book, historical, rather unusual, you know, bizarre in a sense. I think it sounds good. So why don't we go and do the uh, the Great Molasses book uh, for for next month then, and 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 park. Uh on the corner of bitter and bitter. I, I do like dark chocolate. And I know it's kind of bittersweet, but uh, uh, I'm not I'm not feeling a lot of love toward the the corner of bitter and sweet. And if the person that recommended it originally is present, please don't take offense. None's meant because uh, I'll just because I don't a book doesn't grab me doesn't mean I don't end up enjoying it. And uh, that's why I come to these things to read stuff I wouldn't normally read. But why don't we do this uh, dark tide book next month? Uh, Am I am I getting consistent consensus five nine three three five? That would be great. I I would be happy to read it. Um, can you just tell us the title and the author one more time? Yeah, I'll go along with Dark Tide as well. That sounds sounds good. Well, the the title is Dark Tide: colon, The Great Boston Molasses Flood of nineteen nineteen. DB five nine three three five, and the author is St- Stephen Puleo P U L E O. Uh, sorry, Mickey, if I if I stole your thunder there. Oh no no no! This is a dual thing here. Um, would you like to give the idea of uh, the other book that we were asked if we would do and see what the consensus is? Oh yeah. Uh, and I don't even have the name of the other book, but Patty, Patty Fletcher, who y'all probably, I know a lot of us from the DB Review uh, list, uh, has written a book about her guide dog experience. It's about, it's about three hours and change. It's not very long, but she had sent me an email 
uh, in response to a post I had done on one of our on one of the lists I'm on, asking uh, if we would consider. She's trying to get her book circulated. She wants to get it on Bard if she can, but she's she got the right idea. Right idea. She needs to get people talking about it, and she wants us to discuss it in one of these book groups. And uh, uh, I I had told her maybe Michelle's book. But then I told her, you know, Michelle's book, because I, I know you like talking to authors, Michelle. And uh, uh, but I said her group is fiction, old and new, but her book is nonfiction because it's about her getting her guide dog and stuff. So the only the only the only deal is it's only on Bookshare. It's not on Bard. And uh, I don't know how many people. I mean, and I know several of us have Bookshare memberships, but I don't know if everybody does. And uh, I don't like I said I don't know the actual title. I think it's got. A, her dog, her guide dog's name is Campbell. I think his name's in the title somewhere, but it's the title is is a, a, to the effect of you know something about my guide dog experience or something. But uh, I, I just wanted to to throw that out there and see what people thought about maybe doing that one month. I think her book is called something like Campbell's Rambles because I also remember her talking about it on the DV Review. Um, I have never had a guide dog, um, and I'd certainly be open to hearing about her experiences. And I do have Bookshare, um, and I'm assuming she would join us also to talk about the book. So I'm I'm in favor of it if everybody else would like to read it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, she doesn't have a microphone though, so I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I know Bob can can. Uh, Acosta can do stuff uh, with the phone, and I, I don't know how common the uh, uh, the technical requirement. I, I guess you have to be Bob Acosta to do that. But I, I know people that don't have microphones or don't have computers are able to 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 call in when they need to to attend one of these things. But uh, yeah, all I know she'd she'd love to. She was thinking about attending today, but I, th I think there's a lot of groups that that uh, have Sunday times, and apparently she's got some conflicts. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty short book, and uh, 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 I, I'd be willing to do it. But like I said, I don't, I don't know who else is on here that, that that's not a member of Bookshare. Well, it's it's a pretty easy process. Um, you you actually don't even need Bob Acosta. Um, what you really do is you need one of the engineers. Um, there's Ron, who does the tech talk, and or I th probably. Bob, I think, right? You you could probably do it because you you've had authors on here before. I think you just need to get her on a conference line or maybe just a personal line, and then patch her into the computer room. So I don't think it's any different. I know you guys have had authors. I think it'd be the same thing. She just calls into a number and then you patch her in. So she could join us. You just have to have an engineer switch from the telephone line to the computer room. Um, but it shouldn't be any different than any other author that you would have. Yes, hi, this is Ginny. Um, I did read Patty's book. It's called Campbell's Rambles on Bookshare. And um, it was very interesting, very fast-paced. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I have not had a guide dog, but um, it was really interesting, you know, just the issues of mobility she was facing. And so I would recommend that book, and it would be really interesting to hear Patty respond to it, too. It's pretty short and I said it's pretty focused too. Well since Bob isn't speaking up I know he doesn't have Bookshare and he has trouble reading there doesn't like to I don't know what Bookshare books so he probably won't and I've read so many books about people and their guide dogs now I've had I had one and she was great um, 
I would not pick this book, but since it's short and since we're giving her a boost, uh, why not? Well, the only other suggestion I can make is there is a group on Accessible World. There's a guide dog users group, and there's also, um, isn't there a, a group where they specifically talk about issues relating to people who are blind? So, you know, if you, if you, you could possibly refer her to that group, and one of them, I think, is actually on a conference line. Um, so that might be a place for her to, to go and get an audience, um, you know, because Bookshare is very tricky. I know with Fiction Old and New, I don't like to recommend um, books from, from Bookshare. A lot of people don't have Bookshare, and I feel sort of guilty asking them to spend one of their credits on Audible. So I would say unless it's like an overwhelming consensus, there might be another place for her to go on Accessible World. Yeah, hi, this is Ginny. I think that's a good idea, Michelle. Um, it took me a while, but I am pretty comfortable with Bookshare, but there's a learning curve. Um, I do think there's some other, I was going to suggest the Guide Dog um, Users Group on Accessible World. There's issues, I think, facing people who are blind, and then I think there's another um, kind of wide open category called Classroom of the Air, which might be another group uh, that she might, you know, fit into. Well, I'll, I'll mention the, the, the other groups, especially the Guide Dog one. and. Uh, yeah, I know I'm starting to sound like I'm beating the iPhone drum and stuff, but, uh, man, once I got Voice Dream Reader on an iPhone, I mean, Bookshare is a cakewalk, and, you know, it's uh, it's it's so easy. You just go into Voice Dream, you know, tap the Add button, tap Bookshare, and then do a search on the book, and then, bam, it's it's on your phone. It's just there, and the guy's got all those great voices to, to, to that you can pick from. I just like the, the, the natural voice over voice that comes with the iPhone. It's great. But, uh, all right, yeah, no, I'm not getting paid by Apple. Alan says, I know you also have Victor Stream. Did I understand correctly that you can get Audible uh, on Victor Stream? Oh, yeah. We do it all the time. Um, it, it's easy to do. It's uh, You don't have the stereo, of course, unless you hook a speaker, but yes. You know what, Jill? Um, I'm going to just say that I've had a Victor Reader stream for like three or four years now and for the life of me I cannot get my Audible books onto the Victor Reader stream. I have tried, I have been on the phone with customer service there for hours at a time. Everybody else can do it so it's probably a lot easier than, than I can but I'm just going to say from my own experiences if you have a friend who has a Victor Reader stream um, maybe have somebody like go through the steps or something because there's Audible Manager, there's the Humanware Companion. I've tried both. I've, I've tried everything. Um, it's very easy to put it onto an iDevice, like an, an iPad, which is what I do now, or an iPhone. Um, I could never, the Victory to Stream I love, I, I really love the Victory to Stream except for Audible. I can't do it. I, I've, I've, I've just given up. So um, I would, you know, just have somebody go through. Unless you, you might be a lot more technical than me. And I've had technical people help me, you know, like Sherry Wells, for example, very technical person. She's gone through it with me a million times. I can't do it. So that's, I'm just going to chime in in a negative way with the audible. Once again, I wish you lived next door. <laughs> we'd, we'd get that working for you. But what I wanted to uh, suggest about the, the book uh, is that 
if she get if Patty gets a good response from either any of the groups, fine. If not, why don't we put it on our to be read uh, pile and uh, at least discuss it. Um, you know, not not as a definite, but as a uh, a uh, maybe. You know. Okay. Well, you know, how about how about a definite maybe for uh, uh, m- maybe for uh, maybe after the molasses book, but but whatever. I understand you're you're not you're not guide dog gung ho, but uh, 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 yeah, uh, like everybody says, it, it, it is short at least, and it'd be nice to help her out because I I really think she wants it to be discussed in a in, in a book group as opposed to uh, uh, not so much a, a one of these other accessible world outfits. But anyway, uh, the uh, the thing about Audible, and I, and I guess probably your problem, Michelle, is you, you've got to get your your stream has to be uh, activated to play Audible books, and that's probably the problem you're having because you you've got to you got to put the Audible Manager software on your computer, and it, I think it's got to be a Windows computer, and then you got to attach your your stream to the computer. Uh, with a long cable and then activate it and there's a there's a few steps you got to go through but uh, anyway I'm not uh, I'm kind of I'm, I'm iPhone I'm doing all my stuff on iPhone now so uh, uh, I do have my old Victor stream and I, I I do play audible books on it too so that's that thanks for everybody's comments I enjoyed the, the discussion today this was a good book Mickey thanks for recommending it well don't get me wrong Alan I love guide dogs I just don't like reading them. I'd rather pet them or watch them work. Or if if I were in a different situation, I probably would have one. But uh, you can only read so much. Uh, well, I read Peter Elchul's book and re- I read several books about about training the dog and how they did with the dog. And and unless you know the person well, you only want to read that so many times. Yeah, I, I, and I'm thinking this book's probably going to end up being more about Patty than it is about the dog. But hey, you know, I won't know until I read it. So, uh, yeah, I've, you know, I've already learned a, a whole lot more than I would ever want to tell about myself just from reading some of the background material about her. So, and that was at the end of the book. So, hey. Uh, that's why I'm not going to be writing any biographies that's for, or autobiographies, that's for sure. Are we uh, definitely reading Dark Tide for next month? That's my vote. That, that, I, that, I believe that's our consensus. Mickey? Yep. Outstanding. Well, I think we've got a, we've got a plan then. So uh, uh, we're going to read about a molasses uh, tsunami next month, and uh, that should be, that should be uh, a very interesting, uh, interesting story. So, or or uh, 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 interesting true uh event so uh thanks again to everybody for your comments i enjoyed the discussion thanks for joining us and hope that you can come on the whatever the third sunday of may or listen to the podcast uh for the next book thank you